Hello, dear listeners. My name is Carl here on the air, back for you guys. And I thank you very much for tuning in again. In the previous episode of this podcast, well, podcast, we'll see. In the previous episode of this audio experiment, I talked about poker as a loser's game. And that might have sucked the fun out of poker for some of you. So in this episode, I want to provide some counterbalance and inspire you to be creative again and follow your inner field player, from time to time at least. The episode you're about to hear originally aired as a YouTube video. And if you're interested in any more of my content, be sure to check out my channel at youtube.com slash C slash my name is Carl. So yeah, let's just jump right into the action that a podcast brings to your ears. Son, I would tell you this much, son. I would never have put more 3,000 with two tens. Oh, here before. we go. That's why they sent me. I like but I do still think that basically everybody would benefit from treating poker as a loser's game first. And then gradually you can try to start doing more. So as you get comfy, as you get better, as your base strategy become better, you'll gradually notice spots where you can do more, where you can extract more EV than defined by equilibrium. So not only do you get better at the game, you also get better at executing your strategy and this frees up some um, mental capacity. So we have time to find these little exploits. We can have these strokes of genius uh, and make that epic play nonetheless, even though we totally focus on having a good base strategy first. I do not want to take that away from you. I do not want to suck all the creativity out of poker. So if I think back about my own game, at some point I started to spot some spots where I was basically shackling myself. I had built this prison of my own rules like the solver never uses this bet size, the solver never takes this line. If I do this, then I will be unbalanced, oh no. And I noticed the same thing as an upswing coach. People uh, were discussing hands and I noticed that they had built this set of rules for themselves, but you are free to break those rules. This is no limit, hold them, you can do whatever you want. And all of this reminded me of the scene in the Matrix. Um, I, I would play it right now, but then I might go down the path of some copyright infringement. And yeah, I'd, I'd rather not do that. But it's this scene in the first movie, like there is no other Matrix than the first movie, where Morpheus takes Neo down into the Matrix or their simulation of the Matrix for the very first time. Like the scene where Neo gets distracted by the lady in the red dress or the woman in the red dress or uh, whatever. And Morpheus gives Neo a little pep talk. I have seen an agent punched to a concrete wall. Men have emptied entire clips at them and hit nothing but air. Yet their strength and their speed are still based in a world that is built on rules. Because of that, they will never be as strong or as fast as you can be. And that you, my dear viewer, is you. So the rules and the structure of your base game carry you through most common spots, but they, they also risk 
yeah, shackling you, handcuffing you in this prison of imaginary of an imaginary boundary that you have created for yourself. So don't do that and try to keep an open mind. You are able to do whatever you want when the opportunity arises, when you have the incentives to do so. So a couple of examples that I noticed in myself and in others. It can be as simple as bed size. Let's say, first example, let's say you have this standard sequence of bed sizes that you use for a set of positions on a certain board on a certain turn. So you are gonna barrel the turn and let's say your standard is 70% pot. But you're up against a weaker player with a pretty inelastic calling range meaning he'll probably just call his top pairs on the turn and fold weaker hands, something like that. So this player is highly exploitable. Uh, you can just bluff for a smaller size and make it a bit bigger when you are beating his top pair that he is calling anyways. So that's very simple, but sometimes people are afraid of uh, being too obvious. But yeah, don't, don't create that rule for yourself. Uh, you can often be more obvious than uh, you think you can be. A second bet sizing example is one that I had for myself. So when you are studying with a solver, this can be very overwhelming and you're always happy to come up with some rules, some general rules to simplify the lessons, the conclusions you draw from the solver. So if you spot some rule that seems to be generally applicable, you're always happy. Uh, you can simplify your game tree. Uh, without sacrificing too much EV. So the rule I had for myself was that when barreling the river in position, the solver basically never bets less than half pot. I think this is because when you are betting in position, you always face the threat of a check raise. So uh, usually you don't bet so thin for value that a lower than 50% pot size would make sense because of the threat of the check raise. Because of this threat, your value hands need to be strong enough to bet big enough. Uh, but clearly there's some assumptions built in here. I mean, there are no assumptions, but you can see exploitative spots where you can deviate from this rule. And when I had built this rule for myself, I basically never ever thought about betting third pot on the river versus some weaker players, for example. Um, so yeah, this is this is one of those rules that I had built for myself and that works fine as a base game works pretty fine as a base game but It's a rule that is not a general truth You are free to deviate from it when you're up against an exploitable player a third spot is for example when where you're in some situation where you don't fast play your stronger hands because you're afraid it's too obvious or you don't have enough bluffs when you take this line, so you just move the strong hand to the more passive line instead of moving more bluffs to the more aggressive line. I think this spot occurs most often when you don't really have that much solver experience because it's linked more to a old school way of learning the game, teaching the game, a uh, bit step back to the pre-solver days of uh, coaching and teaching and learning poker. That's because a solver would make you more comfortable with having backdoor draws and overcards and stuff like that as flop check raises on these dry boards. Uh, but when you're not used to that, you see this dry board where your strong hands will stay strong hands and you don't see a lot of natural bluffs for you to have. 
so you just don't check raise allowed. Um, so in that spot, you will have as a general rule, general rule that you're rarely check raising the flop, and uh, you basically remove the remove the check raise option for yourself, even when you can have pretty good exploitative reasons to do. In fact, just pass by your hands. I'm sure you can think of some spots in your own game um, where you had a spot where you. Your instinctive reaction would be to fast play, but then you're like, nah, I, I don't, I, I will be unbalanced, I don't have enough bluffs, or you come up with some other reason to not do so, even though you had this instinctive reaction to make the exploitative fast play. Next up, for example, is uh, a 3-bet pot. Let's say we open a button, we face a 3-bet from the blind, and we call. The 3-better c-bet for a small size, probably for a very high frequency, and uh, you have learned from your solver studies that the solver rarely raises the flop. So your general rule could be that you just don't raise flops in 3-bet pots. Even on very dry boards, you see that the solver uh, will flat there with a very high frequency uh, that is 100 BB deep. So there might be some deviations for other stack sizes, but we focus on 100 big blinds. So your general rule is to basically never raise the flop. Uh, but again, you can have good exploitative reasons to do raise the flop. But when you have removed that part from the game tree, you won't really actively think about spots where uh, the flop raise would make sense as an exploit. So yeah, for me, this is also one of those simplifications where I'm basically never raising the flop and then I'm encountering a spot where I see that and villain raises the flop and I'm like, Ooh, Fuck this guy is so bad! You're not allowed to raise the flop here, how dare you? But then I don't really know how to re how to react versus the flop race. So who is the, the worst player here? I mean, yeah, I think flop race can work fine as an exploit, definitely versus players who still at 100% of their range, and they do not know how to react versus that flop race. A similar spot, or a fourth example, I think, would be something like you open the button, get flat from the big blind, you see that in position, big blind check raises, and then uh, the action is back to you. Solver, again, will rarely 3-bet there, like stack sizes and stuff, maybe is reminiscent of the 3-bet pot example. So the solver rarely 3-bets there, even with strong hands on a dry board. Um, and yeah, you could basically simplify your own personal game tree by removing that flop 3-bet option. Um, but again, it could be something that maybe is very good as an exploit. So yes, I'm still all for poker as a loser game, solid base game, make simplifications that help you execute your strategy without giving up uh, any EV or a lot of EV. But sometimes you remove these lines in the game tree and you don't even think about them anymore while they could be certainly fine as an exploit. Alright, that's gonna be the end of this episode. So my plan here is to slowly add the YouTube videos that would function as an audio only format, add those to uh, my podcast directory or whatever the correct name of that thing is. And maybe in the future, uh, I'll think a bit more about making some audio only content, but I'm pretty sure that I'll still be posting all of it on YouTube first and then uh, also pushing it to Spotify or wherever you are listening to this. 
but there's also going to be some content that is uh, that requires the video format. So if you want to see all of my content, tune into YouTube. If you just like listening to to some of uh, some of the things I have to say and don't want to look at my face, then uh, I guess you found the right medium right here. <laughs>